Hello and welcome to a new episode of the CTO Show with Mehmet. My name is Mehmet. I share daily insights about the latest news and trends in technology while exploring their problem-solving abilities. I also talk about startups and the entrepreneurs behind their innovative products and services. In this episode, I have with me today, joining from Houston, Texas, Ross Schott, uh, who is a thought leader in technology and business technology, I would say. So thank you very much, um, Ross, for joining me today. Can you please introduce yourself, um, your business, and what you are in uh, for the audience? Sure. Thank you, Mehmet. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm here in Houston, Texas. Uh, I'm a business coach, uh, primarily by, by, by pre um, profession, uh, but I've been a CEO, CFO, um, and a, a COO, CEO, and also, um, you know, I've done a lot of, you know, entrepreneurship. I've worked with a lot of startups. I've started a couple of my own businesses and uh, exited those. And uh, really the technology focus came to me kind of over the pandemic. I've been doing it my whole career, but I realized over the course of the pandemic that a lot of companies were struggling to make that shift to technology really quickly because they just didn't have the, you know, the experience with technology that you would think they would have. And uh, so I ended up writing my, you know, my approach to technology and uh, starting to get that published this year and uh, also just share it more broadly so people can kind of help themselves, um, you know, with their technology challenges. That's great, Ross, you know, because usually I host technology people. So this is the first time I'm having the business with me. Um, <laughs> and, you know, like us people working in technology, and of course, we have to understand the business. And this is something I read uh, on your profile also as well. So you mentioned that usually businesses, they use only 40% of, of the technology. Is that right? Can you elaborate more about that, please? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, primarily, if you think about technology um, in, in kind of three ways, there's hardware and there's software. And then what I call wetware, which is the talent, your, your people uh, who operate the various technologies. And or, you know, I also categorize if you outsource marketing or outsource IT, I consider that wetware for your company. Um, because they're not internal people, they're external. But, um, you know, companies typically, what I find is a CEO will feel uncomfortable with their technology. Like they've paid for this technology. They didn't get the results they expected. You know, they expect to be able to scale exponentially really quickly but by just replacing something um, or, or acquiring some technology. And they just seem to be disappointed a lot. And, and I would say the main reason is that they just don't really properly implement the technology but they've really never had a language for how to articulate what the problem is they're feeling. And then even farther than that, what do you do about it? If you do kind of figure it out, how do you fix the problem? So I kind of sat back and I thought, what are the first principles for technology? What are the best ways to incorporate technology into your business, regardless of the type of technology? So I say it's technology agnostic and kind of evergreen in my thinking. Um, you can apply this kind of methodology to any technology stack that you have and it'll work. Um, there are about 10 big mistakes that companies make when it comes to technology. And that's why I say they only get about 40%. And, you know, we can do some hard calculations to figure that out. But just as a kind of overall generalization, um, you know, the companies that are struggling, they're just not thinking about their technology properly. They're not talking about it on a regular basis in their strategy meetings, weekly meetings, et cetera. And uh, they're not, you know, building the right kind of culture to execute well with technology, like a tech savvy culture. Wow. Because you said this, and this is a question that came to my mind because myself, I worked as a technology consultant and I work also in sales. 
So the thing that I notice sometimes is that from business perspective, I mean, line of business, CEO, CEO, and these folks, they know that there is a problem and they need a solution for that. While technology people like CIOs and whoever works for them, they know it's a problem, but they think about it just from a technical perspective. Right. Like, what do you think companies should do more, you know, to, to get this joint in a better way? Because I see it a lot of times, and maybe the expression that I would use is right. So they think that they can sort it out with a painkiller, while the solution is just something that they need a long-term medication. So right. what's your, your you know, thoughts on, on this one? Yeah, you've identified a clear problem. There's there's a separation between the departments almost, right? Like C, the CTO versus the COO. If you think about it in the business sense, you know, people in operations operate software. The people on the technical side make sure that the software works and integrates with other software and hardware and, and so forth in the company. And unfortunately, those two don't really meet anywhere. Typically, the IT people or, or the technical people don't really operate the software or the, or the automation or processes or whatever. And typically, the operators don't work on the software. So there's this kind of this divide, which is why I think there's confusion. And, and actually, why I was super excited to be on your show, because I would love to talk to CTOs, <laughs> because I even want to build what, I'm, what I've put together. I want to actually create a course and put it into some of the you know engineering schools and other schools like that, where they can help CTOs or help technical people really understand from a business point of view, what are we trying to do with the technology? You know, um, I think one of the places where companies really fall short is they don't have people in their organization that are really good power users of the technology and understand the technology itself um, and, and how to maximize those two things. How do you maximize the technology for your business if you don't understand your business and the technology both really well, you know? Yeah. I have to agree with you because I know it from myself. So I am a graduate from a computer engineering uh, background. And the moment, you know, I was thinking, yeah, I will be just sitting behind a, a laptop or a desktop, whatever. And I will be just managing software, managing hardware. I should not care about the business, but with time I figured out, oh, I missed a lot because if I understand what I'm doing now, how it will affect my business, it, it makes sense. And it, I think it makes the work also much more meaningful. Um, and this is something, you know, I advise people think about any technology, how you can add value by adding revenue, increasing revenues, I mean, uh, increasing more customers, um, avoiding risks and all this kind of stuff. So just put some metrics to the technology so business people will understand it. So yeah, I 100% agree with you. Now, another thing that, you know, I, I always ask business people and technology people about it, like how it's important that businesses stay up to date with the latest technologies and trends and how they can balance, you know, between, oh, something which is a cool technology, it will might add a lot of values to us. But at the same time, someone would come from the C-level and say, hey, listen, guys, I know this is a tool technology, but it's not the right time to implement it now. <laughs> so how you do, usually you advise people to do this balance? Yeah, I think, you know, you nail it on the head. Even earlier, you said the same thing. You said, you know, the short-term versus the long-term vision of their technology. Well, that's one of the areas where most companies fall down. They don't really have a technology strategy. You know, the CEO or whoever will see some shiny bobble of technology, some really cool thing, and, and, and try to implement it in the company. Um, but I think where companies need to start is, first, you really need to be good with the technologies you have. 
80% of the work I do is helping a company scale and accelerate the, the technologies that they have. They don't need new technology initially. They need to really master the technologies they have and the principles for how to effectively implement technology. And then once they're good at that, while they're doing that, right, they want to be having their eye to the future. They want to be looking at technologies that are coming on, you know, onto the world stage, you know, so to speak, um, not only in their own this industry in terms of what their competitors are doing, but also they want to be looking at other industries at technology that's out there uh, that may intersect their, their, their industry at some point in time. Um, or that they can adopt early to kind of get ahead of the competition, right? But most of their challenges start with being good in general at basic first principles of operating and using technology for business, and then figuring out using, you know, kind of strategic approaches to, you know, annual planning, quarterly planning, what are we going to do about our technology stack? When is it going to be time to replace something or upgrade to the next thing? That um, needs to be part of the conversation, ongoing conversation. Uh, between obviously the business and technical people. So it's a matter of culture, I think, right? This big time culture. <laughs> yeah. Everything starts with people. <laughs> yeah. I had another also episode the other day, and we were talking about digital transformation and, you know, the how it should be focusing on the customer first, and then it should be like an internal culture. Now, a little bit shifting things um, a bit. You've worked with a lot of C-level executives and entrepreneurs. What have you seen like a common challenges about leveraging the technology and, you know, how did you see them overcoming this? Yeah, so there's, you know, there's, like I said, about 10 big mistakes most companies make um, and they kind of fall into three categories. One is that we just talked about, you know, how do they strategically think about their technology and plan for what they're going to do with it? You know, every company these days starts with technology. Usually they have at least email and then probably some other, you know, thing that they're working on or doing, um, you know, social media or whatever. Um, and then as they add technologies, they really don't think through how do we properly add these? How do we change our behaviors with the old technologies once we've layered something new on it? Um, so that's one of the big challenges is that as the technology stack grows, it just becomes more complex but they don't account for that. They don't change behaviors. They don't write new rules or have new practices. Um, the second area is, you know, they don't integrate it well with the other software in the business. Or as we talked about a moment ago, they have a really cool software, which has lots of capabilities, but they haven't figured out how to use those capabilities in their workflows and harness the real, real power of that technology. Uh, and also, or they have old, processes and they just put technology on the old processes. So that's not efficient either. Um, and then lastly, as we talked about the people having a culture, you know, not only, I believe every major driver of your business. So let's say you have 10 technologies that you use. I would say three to five of those are probably critical for those three to five major drivers of your business. You should have at least two power users in your company. And by power user, I mean, on a scale of one to 10, a one being, they don't even know what the technology is. And a 10 being, not only are they so good at it, they could onboard other companies, they could sell this product or the software or hardware um, because they're so good with it. Uh, you need to have at least a couple people that are around an eight and understand your business because that's the only way you can make the best decisions for how to use this technology and leverage it. And so a lot of companies have no power users on their major technologies. They don't have any rules about how to use technology. Um, I'll give you a simple example that uh, is usually covers all different types of technology, but I'll use a simple example. I, I'll go into a company and say, 
can I see this document? And I watched the person spend 10 minutes trying to find the document because they don't remember if it was sent to them in email or yeah. in a chat like Slack or project software like Asana, or if it's on an intranet somewhere, or if it's stored locally on their computer in a folder, um, you know, they're looking all over for it. They spend about 10 or 15 minutes looking for it. They finally find the document and they look up smiling. Hey, I got it. <laughs> and uh, I asked them, is that the most recent one? <laughs> and their face kind of twists, you know, because they don't know, because the company has no protocols, no rules for how do we store documents? How do we make sure it's the latest one? How do we name it? So if you have to search for it, you can find it quickly. Um, these are just basic principles that most companies don't take the time to really think through and put together and enforce. So those protocols are really critical. Um, and then lastly, as you mentioned, you know, having a good culture of tech savviness, right? Hire people that are tech savvy, interview for it, um, you know, or reward people that really know how to use your software, um, you know, recognize people that take the extra effort. Most companies have software or hardware in their company, and they kind of leave it up to the employee to self-teach themselves, go into the knowledge base of the software and, and learn it, you know, um, after a short onboarding. And again, unfortunately, most people are just going to thin slice it. You know, they're going to learn what they really just barely have to do to get by. Most, I'm not saying everybody, but most. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, that means you're not getting the most out of that technology. They're just getting by with it. You know, you're not you're not excelling at the use of technology. You're just getting by, you know. Yeah, and especially to the point you mentioned about, you know, like when they try to find a file or like, because I work on the other side as well. And we used to have back in the days policies, procedures, but unfortunately, People think that these procedures and policies are written just for the purpose of auditing. They, <laughs> they don't refer to them well. And I think there is a challenge and maybe an opportunity because every challenge has an opportunity right. for something that comes and, you know, can automate some of this stuff. So very much to the point, I would say. Now, like also when I, I, I've seen like you, you've spoken alongside to some impressive names in the tech industry yourself, Ross, and what do you think was the most valuable lesson and insight that you have gained and you can, you know, share to to people who are just, you know, like trying to to get their feet to, to the ground with the business and technology? Yeah, I don't know. I'd say there's probably a couple of things. Really, it's, you know, it's the magic of technology. Like you'll see sometimes when you see my name, it says the technomancer. A technomancer is, some, is from science fiction. It's someone who can work magic with technology. And I think all of us at some point have kind of a love-hate relationship with technology. We love it when it works well because it is like magic. <laughs> and then when it's not working well, it's very frustrating. And it can be very frustrating for employees and, you know, um, all of us, really. Um, so I would say I think the importance of technology. I don't think it can be overestimated. I mean, you know, if you, if you really – I always say, you know, technology in business is a necessity. But technology done well in business is a competitive advantage. And that's proven in the research. If you look at the numbers, if you if you are really good at using your company's technology, you're three times more likely to be leading your your competition, um, to be ahead of the game. You're you know way way more likely to double your return on assets. Um, you know, and by almost every every metric, you know, good strong use of your technology will make the the, the most difference in your organization for you and your people, uh, and your customers. Um, so I just think that it can't be understated, you know, and, and I like to think about, you know, Peter Demandis, I worked with him for a while, and I love his view of life and technology, right? Technology solved so many problems in the world. Obviously, it's created some, but, you know, it's solved way more than it's created and has given us, you know, kind of a 
on the verge of an abundant lifestyle in some countries. Um, and you know, technology has the promise of giving us that everywhere. So if we really leverage it um, well, we can do the right things um, for us, for the environment, for the world, and for our you know constituents, you know our stakeholders. Um, you know, I say, you know, tech, most of what I talk about is common sense. It's just not common practice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. There is a saying I cannot remember who said that, but. Um that every business today should be behaving as if they are a technology company themselves. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I would say a technology company who loves people, let's say. Um, and, and I think to your point a minute ago, when you were talking about, you know, really focusing on the customer, right? If you start at the customer, solving the problem for the customer, that doesn't mean, you know, a lot of companies will almost make the customer an employee by having them self, you know, work their way through processes, you know? On a, on a phone and you know pushing buttons and, and all of that kind of stuff. And I think that's great. And it's very powerful to do that in some situations. But also, I don't think we, I think we don't want to lose sight of the human touch, right? Being able to kind of blend that technology with the right implementation of human touch along the way uh, is really where a lot of the magic and innovation can come from, you know? Yeah. Um... This is also a question which becomes uh, like a, a traditional one, but I like to hear different opinions on, on that matter. So what do you think are the emerging technologies or trends that will really impact the business in the next, I used to say five, 10 years, but you know, with the, with the fast paced technology, I would say, let's say on the short term and the long term. And of course, like there are well-known things out uh, now like AI and these things, but what do you think really would be the, the emerging technologies that will have the most uh, effect on, on businesses? I mean, I think you can't, you can't discount AI, of course, like if you've played with chat GPT or of some course. of these other natural language programs that they've got going, um, you know, they're becoming more and more powerful and they're only going to get better and faster. Um, you know, I think Ray Kurzweil predicted, you know, by 2049, it would be smarter than everyone on the planet. Um, and I don't know that we're not on pace for that. <laughs> so um, there are quite a few things that you know can happen with AI. I think another area is obviously energy. Everyone's looking at wind and solar, uh, but I really think nuclear fusion is probably not not too far off the horizon. Um, I know a lot of countries and a lot of people are worried about nuclear, but it is a way better form of energy in in some ways, especially if we can get fusion working. Um, for those in your audience that don't, don't know the difference, we use fission now, which leaves a lot of nuclear waste material behind uh, in the process. But fusion really minimizes. There's almost no nuclear um, just waste to dispose of, really, at, at, you know, at the end of it, almost none. Um, and it's a very efficient if we can get it to work right. Um, and there are some really crazy experiments and things that are proving right now that uh, that's on the horizon. Um, and then quantum computing is another one that's now, it's it's not like a normal computer right now. Quantum computing is good at some pretty crazy things. That, um, But primarily, think about the number of possible chemical combinations when you're trying to make rubber, for example. Trillions and trillions and trillions of possible com com combinations of chemicals and elements that you could put together. No human lab, no, no group of human labs on the planet could test every possibility. Right. And our computers now to test every possibility would take thousands of years. A quantum computer could test those trillions of possibilities in a day or two, you know, week or two, month or two. Um, they're a million times more powerful than Turing computers. Um, Turing computers process one thing at a time. 
quantum computers can process a million things at a time. So the, the, the sheer uh, volume of things that we can learn and understand about chemistry, about biology uh, that we can't do right now, like medicine, you know, different forms of chemistry and medicine are going to just take a huge leap once some of those quantum computers really come online and are, you know, they're, they're already doing a lot now, but I think when it, you know, really takes its, takes its hold in the next five years, probably, um, it'll just be a game changer in a lot of those industries. Yeah, I, I liked your positive approach and I'm, I'm fan of uh, the positive approach because, you know, and this is, I get uh, the chance to read the, the, the book Abundance and you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's full of positivity because people nowadays, unfortunately, with especially now chat GPT and they, uh, they, they just, and this is unfortunate that the mainstream media as they, uh, as they are known, they just show all oh, like people will be fired from work. Um, people will, will uh, be replaced by robots, but the matter of fact, you know, if we really think about it, actually technology and exactly the way you just described it. Of course, it can create problems, but the solution it creates, it exceeds by million times. I can't say the number of, of problems that they do. So yeah, I, I, I really like this. Um, as we're coming to the end, like um, Ross, where, where can audience find more about, do you host any podcasts? Do you, do you have any courses? Yeah, so let, let me make one comment to your worry about jobs. Um, <laughs> so number one, I, 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 part of why I wrote what I wrote, part of why I'm putting this out there is because uh, originally when I was working with some of the Fortune 500s innovation teams, you know, they were concerned about skills obsolescence in their company. They were worried about a certain layer of their organization where the people's skills were becoming obsolete and they were going to have to let them go. And my thought was, instead of doing that, why not train those people on your top three to five drivers of your business in terms of technology, and then pepper them throughout the organization so that they can, you know, um, kind of upskill everyone else in your organization on those technologies. So it would kind of really solve the problem. And I want you to think in the last six, seven decades, you know, since the sixties or so, we've had process improvement, automation, offshoring, outsourcing, computers, internet, immigration, and globalism. And there have been more jobs created and there are more jobs per capita now than there were 60 years ago. So the jobs have changed to be sure, but they've not gone away. You know, people, you know, may lose their jobs, certain jobs to robotics or computers, but most of those are redundant tasks we don't want to do anyway, right? Uh, we want to have people doing the creative, fun, engaging tasks and let computers and machines do all the other uh, less so um, things that we might be stuck with. Um, and with regard to where I'm at, I'm, I'm, I am doing a lot of podcasts right now. The easiest thing to do is just to reach out to me by email. Okay. Um, I do have two publications coming out uh, in March. I have a chapter called A CEO's Guide to Technology and uh, How to uh, Maximize the Speed, Leverage, and Predictability for Your Business. And that's in Cracking the Rich Code, Volume 10. And then in June, I have my book coming out called Technology Momentum, Systematically Accelerate Your Business 10X. And it's a much deeper dive into how to use technology in your company and help it leverage everything. Um, so uh, just Ross at executiveapex.com. And I can get you on the list to, to hear about the books when they come out uh, or to be able to find them. Uh, or if you want to engage with me, just Ross at executiveapex.com. Or LinkedIn is Ross that like on LinkedIn is look for the Technomancer, you'll find me. Sure. I will be sharing both your email and your LinkedIn profile in, in yeah. uh, 
the episode description, of course. Well, that was a really very informative, very insightful episode today, Ross. Thank you very much for joining me on, on this episode. And for my audience, as usual, thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe if you are watching on the YouTube or subscribe to the Apple podcast, Shopify, uh, Spotify podcast, whatever you like you're on. Um, if you want to get more, you can get in touch with me directly by email, by Twitter or LinkedIn. Thank you for tuning in and until we see you next time. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Thank you.